Amen. Well, welcome. We're so excited that you are here, whether you are in person, online. We're so grateful you've chosen to join our Rockbridge worship service. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here on our staff and just honored to be here with you as we are currently in the middle of a series we are calling The Crown, A Search for a King. We have been walking verse by verse through the books of 1 Samuel. We're going to be in chapter 12 tonight, so if you want to grab your Bible, open your app, wherever, whenever, wherever you're watching this, you can follow along. We'll have the verses, we'll have the teaching points on the screen here. You can follow along with me as we jump into chapter 12 together, and I'll set us up with a little bit of context as we continue on our journey. If you're new here, we've been following along with the people of Israel in the books of 1 Samuel. It's called that because the main leader of Israel at this time, his name is Samuel. And he's been leading Israel, and, and they have been crying out. They've been going through a lot of hardship, a lot of challenges. They've been going through battles. They've been going through war, and they have been crying out for a king, kind of the whole theme of our series here. And so, so this, this motivation, we'll see, we'll unpack that a little bit more, but kind of a theme of, of our series is that that request from the people is not coming from a place of faith. It's coming from a place of fear because God has been providing for them. God has been calling them to be his holy people and calling them out to be separate and to be a different type of nation. And this request for a king is because they want to be like other nations. And that kind of opposes the, the, the high calling God has put on his people to stand out, to be a light. But God, in his mercy and grace, has answered their request. They found a king. His name is Saul. And they've established him as a king. And so in this moment, we step into the story. And, and right after they inaugurate and, and they establish, they have sacrifices and ceremonies. And they're like, Saul is king. It's official. Right after that, Saul, kind of the, who's been leading them, says, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to come together. We need just to have a talk. And it's a time of transition. This is a time of change. And it's like, hey, in this moment, we're just going to pause and have a family talk. And as you and I will see together in chapter 12, God through Samuel raises his voice at his people. So let's jump in here, 1 Samuel chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We're going to work through the story together. After that, we'll unpack some points and some principles from the story, and we'll walk away with a big challenge in our time together. We'll jump in, verse 1 in 1 Samuel chapter 12. Then Samuel said to all of Israel, remember they're gathered together, I've carefully listened to you, to everything you have said to me, and placed a king over you. Now you see that the king is here and leading you. So again, that time of transitions, the time of change is key in this moment in the story. As for me, I'm old and gray. Some of us in the room said amen, and my sons are here with you. So, so in other words, I've led you since I was young, right? I've led you from my youth until now. Here I am. Bring charges against me before the Lord and his anointed. So we have the leader pausing and saying, hey, I've led you for a long time. The king's now about to lead you. That's been messy. God's been saying some like hard things. You've been dealing with some difficult circumstances. And before we continue, I just want you to kind of test my leadership. Here I am before you. And he starts to ask them some questions. Whose ox or donkey have I taken? Who have I wronged or mistreated? Who gave me a bribe to overlook something? Because I will return it to you. In other words, does anybody in, in public, in community right here, have anything to say about my leadership? Can anybody point out anything, any part that I've taken advantage 
that, that I've misused my authority, that I've misused my power. So it gives everyone, the whole, the people, an open door to, to bring something up. And their response is, you haven't wronged us. You haven't mistreated us and you haven't taken anything from anyone. They responded. He said to them, the Lord is a witness against you and his anointed is a witness today that you haven't found anything in my hand. This is, this is, this is a powerful word. He's saying, hey, God is my witness. Like God's here. God's present. God's listening. God's watching right now. You are a witness. You've not found anything against me. And then Samuel said, as he continued to the people, the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron, he starts going back to their history, to their story, back to the book of Exodus. He who brought your ancestors up from the land of Egypt. He's going back to the most popular story in the Old Testament, the salvation story of the Exodus, which is really the foundation of when God truly started to reveal his truths, his teachings, his words to his people. So that God is witness. Now, present yourselves. So the focus shifts from Samuel. It's like, hey, I've given you an opportunity you, you've, you've said that I've led well, that I've led faithfully. He's not been sinless, but there's nothing in, no one can bring up against him. In other words, his voice is authoritative, and nothing is blemishing his leadership and the weight of his leadership. So he says, present yourselves, the focus switches, so I may confront you before the Lord about all the righteous acts he has done for you and your ancestors. And now he's going to shift and talk about how God's worked in their life. And this moment, in some way, we'll unpack later, is supposed to confront them. He says, when Jacob went to Egypt, this is the tail end of the book of Genesis, going into the first few chapters of Exodus, your ancestors cried out to the Lord, and he sent them Moses and Aaron. At that time, at the end of Genesis, when God's people, they went and they were blessed in Egypt. But then after a few generations, they grew so much that the Egyptians were threatened by them and made them slaves while they still had enough size and enough power to overrule them so that, so that Israel couldn't be a threat. So this is the story he's going back to. And that's when Moses and Aaron were raised up, who led your ancestors out of Egypt, and they settled them in this place. That's like Exodus through Joshua right there. For the, he's summarizing that whole story in one line. But they forgot their God, the Lord their God. So he handed them over to Sisera, commander of the army of Hazar, to the Philistines and to the king of Moab. These enemies fought against them, and then they cried out to the Lord and said, so there's, there's a pattern here, a pattern here, crying out to the Lord. There's a pattern here. We have sinned, for we abandon the Lord and worship the Bells and the Ashtoreths. And now rescue us from the power of our enemies, and we will serve you. So like, just like the pattern here, they were in Egypt, they cried out. Now they face this other challenge, they cried out. And so the Lord sent Jeroboam, Barak, uh, Jephthah, and Samuel. He rescued you from the power of the enemies around you. And you live securely. This is all the book of Judges up until this time. He's basically summarized from Exodus to this moment in 1 Samuel chapter 12. How God has heard them and rescued them. But he kind of really hasn't gotten into the why here. But it says, but when you saw that Nahash the king, this is present day, this is last week when Matt unpacked chapter 11 for us. King of the Ammonites. When you saw that he was coming against you, you said to me, no, we must have a king reign over us. Again, the motivation for that request was not from faith. It was from fear. 
and listening to the voices of the culture. Everyone else around us operates like this. Maybe operating like everyone else around us will protect us and save us. And so there was this conforming to the culture around them which is similar to the pattern that he called out a few verses earlier when they started to forget God and worship Baals and Ashtoreth and and these other stories. Like there's this this pattern that's starting to emerge here. Even though the Lord God is your king. So he summarizes our story. Now here is the king you've chosen. Coming back to Saul, coming back to present day. The one you requested. And, and this has some weight to it. That, that There's a you. that This is what you have wanted. This is, again, this is kind of him pointing them back to you're operating by your emotions, your feelings, the voices you're hearing in your head, the culture around you. You haven't been motivated by faith, but God's been merciful. And he's still answering and he's still working with you. Then listen to the next phrase. Look. This is the king the Lord has placed over you. God working in the midst of sometimes our fearful, doubtful requests. God's working through that and God's working in that. Matt's unpacked that for us so well. It's just amazing to see here. So he says, if you fear the Lord, worship him and obey him. And if you don't rebel against the Lord's command, then both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord Your God, however, if you disobey the Lord and rebel against his command, the Lord's hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. So this is stuff he's already said, but he's saying it again. He's just trying to get their attention. And he's like raising his voice. And he's like, hold on, before we move on, remember there's patterns here to your behavior. There's patterns here to your faith. And we need to pause before we transition into a new way of leadership until you get a new leader in front of you, until we fully pass the reins. we got to address some things. And then he shifts gears and does something Totally different. He says, here we go next. Now therefore, present yourselves and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Isn't the wheat harvest today? And this would have been a time when there wouldn't have been much rain at all. For so like a thunderstorm, for rain to happen during this time, it's the dry season. It would have shocked people that have been grateful for it, but it just would not have been common. So During the wheat harvest, isn't that today? I will call on the Lord and he will send thunder and rain so that you will recognize what an immense evil you've committed in the Lord's sight by requesting a king for yourselves. Then Samuel called on the Lord and on that day the Lord sent thunder and rain and as a result, all the people greatly feared the Lord, Samuel. So it's interesting how Samuel brings them back to the pattern of their history, the pattern of unbelief, the pattern of turning away from trusting in God and listening to other voices around them, culture, the voices of them, circumstances, the voices of their fear. But then Samuel's led to do something real similar to what he did in the book of Exodus, to real similar to what he's done in the book of Judges, and real similar to what we've already seen God do in the way he's provided in the first few books of Samuel. He does this miraculous thing to remind them. He raises his voice through this action, like, remember who I am. I am still the God that led Moses and Aaron and my people from Egypt. I'm still the God that was leading my people in the book of Judges. I'm still that same God who parted the seas. I'm still him. And see the response of the people. 
their attention has been gotten. And maybe that's the point. See the shift in the people. They pleaded with Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we won't die. There's probably some exaggeration, but just this fear, this holy fear. Look at what, oh my goodness, this is the God of old. This is the God we've been trusting in, but we've, we've started to lean on our own understanding. They're overwhelmed by it, for we have added to all our sins the evil of requesting a king for ourselves. So they're in this moment overwhelmed, and there's a shift in their mentality and their attitude. And as we'll unpack a little bit later, maybe that's the goal. See the response here. Samuel replied, after raising his voice, after doing this miraculous thing, don't be afraid. That's the most given command throughout the entire Bible. Don't be afraid. Even though you have committed all this evil, don't turn away from following the Lord. Instead, worship the Lord with all of your heart. They've heard that before. Like, that's the main command and God, through Samuel, is reminded that I'm the same God that I was. I'm still giving you the same command that I did. Even though you have sinned, continue to trust in me and follow me with all your heart. Don't turn away to follow worthless things that can't profit you or rescue you. They are worthless. The Lord, again, in the middle of raising his voice, in the middle of calling them out, the Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name. Because he has determined to make you his own people. So yeah, this is an intense moment. But there's a purpose to it. It's not just intense and he's not just raising his voice just for the sake of punishment. There's purpose to it. As for me, I vow that I will not sit against the Lord Samuel talking about himself by ceasing to pray for you. So just kind of, he's really reflecting what God said through him to his people. In the same way that God's not giving up on his people, Samuel is not going to give up. Even though leadership is going to shift and there's going to be transition and change, he's still going to be here praying unceasingly for them. He's going to continue to teach them the good and right way. And above all, he again tells them to fear the Lord and worship him faithfully with all of your heart. That's the second time he said that phrase and you're almost wondering, have they gotten to a place where maybe their faith was half-hearted? Maybe when our faith gets, maybe when we're half-hearted, when we're half into something, it's easier to be led astray, ain't it? It's almost like that's what he's trying to reveal. Consider the great things he has done for you. However, if you continue to do what is evil, both you and your king will be swept away. First Samuel chapter 12. And so this moment where God pulls his people aside, raises his voice, and we've got a phrase for this, right? He's calling them out. It's intense. It's, it's in their face. But as much as in, intense it is, there's equally these intense moments of like, but remember who I am. Let me show you who I am. Let me remind you of what I can do, and let me call you back. To the place that we started where we said, follow me with all of your heart because I'm going to be your God. I'm not going to abandon you. I've got purposes for you. So yeah, this is a tough moment and I need you to see some things that you may not have seen, but there's purpose in it. We might say, 
Israel's having a come-to-Jesus moment with their God. There's another way that we could say this. In this moment of transition with the king's leadership, as God's raising his voice to his people, we could say it like this. God is rebuking his people. Now, that word may not be as common to us. We may not use that word a lot. But we experience this a lot. You know what it's like to be called out. You know what it's like for people to kind of be honest with you and say say it like it is. Um, We have a phrase here at Rockbridge, one of our values, says we we stay 100%. So on our staff team, it's like, hey, we got to stay 100%. Most of us are really good at staying 90%. And not saying the last 10% that we should, which is probably the most important part, the most important thing we should share. Because we know what it's like. Man, this isn't comfortable. But we see this in chapter 12. And it's easy to read through these chapters in the Bible. And to skim through them, to look over them, because they don't feel good. But if we pause and just reflect for a moment, I think we'll see. And it feels upside down to say this. But I think if we were honest, wherever you're at in your life, you would admit this. Rebukes are good for us because we have a tendency, like Israel, to get stuck in patterns of sin and patterns of behavior and patterns of thinking. We just get stuck in patterns. We're people. We're, we're creatures of habit. You ever heard that phrase? Like we just get in these patterns. Experiences are powerful. Experiences can create thoughts. And thoughts can create and influence action. And, and those things can turn into patterns. And rebukes are purposeful and good for us. So I, I, let's, let's just embrace this. If it tastes, if it's hard pill to swallow, Let's just do it and be open to it because I think if we will and we unpack it for a moment together, we'll, we'll get some truth that though might be stepping on our toes, will be for our good. And that's what we're praying for. We're not praying for what we want right now. We're praying for what we need. God, give us what we need. So let's unpack. What was the root of Israel's sinful pattern of turning from trusting God. This is not like my phrase for this chapter. And, and this is like the big idea of the night. If you remember one thing, remember this phrase. They allowed other voices to be louder than God's voice in their life. And that was the sin. That was the pattern. He went all the way back to Exodus. He came all the way back to Nahash chapter 11, chapter before that. And it's the same pattern the, the motivation for, for them wanting a king was they were listening to these voices of the culture around them. Maybe it was fear. And they even got to a place like when Samuel was kind of summarizing, like you even got to worship in other gods other than your God. Like it was so powerful that, that these other voices, they gave, they allowed these other voices to have such power. And it caused them to, to, to even their worship, their values, where they got their identity, they began to shift and find that in other places than in God. Because it's powerful, right? When we get trapped in patterns of sinful thoughts, beliefs, and actions, Sometimes, God, we need God to use rebukes to get our attention so that we examine our lives. And that's what we see here. And I think that's the heart of this chapter. The heart of God raising his voice is like, hey, 
we're transitioning here, but before we change, before this happens, I got to raise my voice because I need us to pause. I need to get your attention about something. This reminds me of a time I grew up playing basketball, and uh, I'll never forget there was this one game when, when I was young as a middle school. It just imprinted on me. I just can't, I can't forget this moment. And, and, and in basketball, when you do something wrong on the court, they blow a whistle and they call a foul. And I fouled the other team, and they got to shoot free throws. I had been fouling a lot this game. I was very passionate. You can probably get that out of, like, watching me and interacting with me. And when you're young and passionate and excitable, you tend to get a little narrow-minded. And I was pretty narrow-minded. I'm still, I'm still wrestling with that. And so I kind of had this attitude. I had this chip on my shoulder. I've been this same height and size since seventh grade. I was a big seventh grader. I could push people around, and I did. And I was getting called for fouls that night. And so the coach, as they're shooting free throws, the coach made eye contact. He's like, stop fouling. I looked at my coach, and I said, I didn't foul. And I just put my head down, yelled right at my coach in front of everybody. Shot a free throw. Next thing I know, somebody tapped on my shoulder. Hey, Zach, you're out. Y'all know what came next. I got an earful. And back in middle school, I mean, the bench you sat, sat on, man, it was, people were three feet behind you. So the whole side of the stadium heard this chew out of me, and I got called out. I got rebuked. And I sat down, I was mad. You know, when you're young, you're tearing up a little bit, oh, I'm embarrassed. But that moment that my coach raised his voice at me did something in me. I started to look at myself. I started to look at my attitude started to look at my mindset, and I realized I was making the team more about Zach than Zach was trying to be a part of the team. And it was a, a, impacting the way I played. It was impacting my relationship with my teammates. It was impacting the whole team. And I didn't realize that because I had gotten in a pattern. And when we get in patterns, we get pretty good at being closed off. And, and you get in a pattern long enough of thinking, and you start giving power to your thoughts, and those thoughts turn into beliefs, and those beliefs turn into actions. And the next thing you know, you get so closed off, it takes somebody raising your voice, raising their voice, for you to have your eyes opened up. And it took my coach caring enough about me to raise his voice at me to hopefully cause this moment within me where I said, maybe I need to pause and examine myself. And I think that's what's happening here in chapter 12 that I think applies to our life, that if we were honest, we would say, maybe we need this too. Maybe we need this too because maybe we're more like Israel than we think. Let's dig into this a little bit. Are there any patterns God is revealing to you right now that he wants you to examine think about your week and we could look at your week we could look at different parts of your week we could kind of break your week down we could look at different aspects of it like hey how was your communication this week with your team at work how's your communication with your kids I'm immediately convicted because about two hours ago I was letting my little 12 year old 12 month old have it she did something she wasn't supposed to do. And Maggie goes, God, please pray over that because it goes and preaches about rebukes and being patient. And I was like, Lord, I'm like Israel. So what if we were to look at your communication with your family, with your team, your relationships? What if we looked at your attitude, your thoughts? 
What if we were to look at your browser here? What if we were to look at your spending this week and just said, hey, what if we look at it this past month, this past year, and we would go, hey, maybe things aren't working out in your life right now. Maybe you're feeling this weight, and you're in a moment kind of like 1 Samuel 12, and you're like, whew, I feel like I'm just getting called out left and right. I feel like I just can't get ahead, but maybe there's been moments where people have tried to go, hey, you remember what you said in our meeting? Can I just tell you how that came across to the team? And you're like, no, 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 I'm good. They need to listen. Maybe, maybe your, your kid, you remember you, you got stern, you, got, you raised your voice, and they've been a little standoffish for the past week. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe there's just these thoughts you've been having and those thoughts are turned into actions, and those actions, those, those beliefs turn into actions, those actions turn into patterns, and now you can't even think of a way not to think about those things because you're just like, I just feel like I'm stuck. But you've been coming to church. Maybe this is your first time here, and you're like, golly, this is stepping on, this is too much. Like, oh, this is like confronting me, and it's, I feel like I'm Israel in this moment right now, and I'm just saying maybe that's a good thing. Maybe God's trying to get your attention. And get you to examine something in your life. Because here's the hope that we can find in 1 Samuel chapter 12. The goal of God's rebukes, his correcting, his calling out, those moments we feel the way, those moments where we feel like the spotlight's on my life and the things I'm dealing with. The purpose of these moments are to restore our relationship with him. And we see this in this chapter. Yeah, we got to raise our voice. Yeah, like, kind of like my coach. Some, sometimes God cares too much about us to leave us the way they were. Anybody can come to Jesus. Nobody can stay the same. He's too good. He's too good. The invitation's not just to believe, but it's to be transformed and to be changed. Sometimes in order for us to be transformed and to change, we need somebody to call us. We need, to, we need somebody to raise our voice at us. Sometimes God's got to do that. Sometimes he uses our circumstances, kind of like here in Samuel, where God's allowing these circumstances so that he can maybe get the Israelites to take their eyes off of themselves for just long enough. Because this is his heart. This is his heart. So I'd say, wherever you are at today, whatever your situation is, if you're starting to see patterns, you don't, haven't quite connected the dots yet, but you just know there's things that just keep getting pointed out. They get pointed out at work. They get pointed out at home. They get pointed out when I hear worship music. I keep thinking about the same things every sermon I hear. I keep thinking about that one thing. I just keep doing that habit. I keep having that pattern, that thought I need broken. Here's the heart of this. Don't run from it because God is wanting to restore you. The same God who worked then is trying to work now. But this isn't just a one-on-one -on -one thing. Let's look at the setting here of chapter 12 because while God will loudly speak to us personally, he also speaks to us through people around us. So think about, think about the setting here. God's voice speaks the loudest in community. What's happening in 1 Samuel chapter 12? It's a community gathering. 
You've got somebody, kind of like we are tonight, somebody speaking and revealing like people are opening themselves up to someone in authority to speak in their lives. And this is what we do when we gather together in church. We have these large group gatherings where we give people permission to speak. Think about it, like every time you come to church or you watch a service online and you're, you're, you're like, ooh, that hit me. Ooh, that steps on my toes, but it's so good. It's like every single time, what are you doing? You're giving somebody permission to rebuke you. And you're walking away going, God, I want more of that. Isn't that so upside down? But that's how the Spirit of God works. That's how He works to open up our lives. And He's gracious and merciful and kind and sometimes stern when He needs to be. And all this happens in community. Community is so important corporately when in a big sense that you are sitting under somewhere that you are watching regularly someone lead you in worship and in music that is about God's truth because it rebukes you is someone you're giving someone access to speak into your life through the word of God because when we do that he speaks to us he shines his light on our lives but we got to realize that when he shines his light on us he's going to reveal things in us that he wants us to examine and let go of patterns he wants us to walk away from so there's purpose in it and it takes community for that in a big way and in a small way let's get real for a little bit okay have you given people in your life samuel privileges in your life have you went to people and said you have a samuel privilege you probably haven't said it that way because this may be the first time you're thinking about this phrase but now you can use it Speak to me like Samuel spoke to Israel. Because I'm a sinner. And I get stuck in patterns. And I can get narrow-minded. And sometimes I just need somebody to call me out. We see this in sports really easily. We see this in teams at work. We see this in the band we're in. in the band we're, we, we see this all over. Like Somebody's got to be leading the group and calling people out in the group when we, when we need something changed. We need people in our life that have Samuel privileges to speak to us in our situations the way that Samuel was speaking to Israel. Full access, full weight, full permission. Not as many amens for that point. It's because it's that good and that real and that important. And it's so good for us that we actively say to one, two, three people, this is the heart, this is what small groups are supposed to be about. It's a group of people where you say, listen, I don't have it together. but We're trying to parent. We're trying to figure this out. You've done this before. Help me. Rebuke me when I need it. Because I'm not here to just stay the same, to live in the same patterns. I want to grow in my faith. I want to experience more of God. And what this chapter teaches us, that in order to experience more of God and to grow in your faith, sometimes we've got to get called out. And this happens best in the context of community. So who are your people? That may be your next step this week. Finding one person, two, three, going to your small group, going to that mentor, going to that person at work and go, hey, listen, I'm just giving you Samuel privileges. I'm like, what is that? Well, let me tell you about that. I've just, I've just laid you up a softball to share about the message at work. You can tell them. You've got to explain to them what this means. So use that phrase. It gives you an opportunity to tell them about the church service and gives you an opportunity to go, hey, why don't you come back? Because I have Samuel moments every time I gather together with my people. And it's good for you. And it might be good for you too. Maybe that's your next step. And if it is, get ready. 
I want to ask you this. If you start to get open to this, you got to be honest with yourself. When people are honest with you, when people, when your friend, when your spouse, when your son, when your kid, with your boss, how do you respond? How do you respond? To steal a little bit of language from Matt from last week, is it a self-driven, self-led response or a spirit-driven, spirit-led response? And kind of describe both. Self gets more defensive. Spirit is more receptive. Because we're humbled and we realize we might need this. So instead of defending ourselves, we're going to be receptive in this moment. Self tends to deflect. Say, well, no, 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 what about them? Well, no, no, what about that one thing you did last week? And I'm still remembering that, and that's, the way I, that's why I lost my patience right here. That's why I said what I said is because of what you did, because of what happened last week. We're really good at deflecting. Spirit-led responses reflect. They examine like we see in this story. Man, maybe I do need to pause and really look in the mirror and go, hmm. Maybe I really need to think about what my friend just said to me. Because if the goal of my faith and following Jesus is to grow in my faith and become more like him, and they're being honest with me, start to say to yourself, remember, we start to attack those thoughts. We start to listen to the Spirit's voice more than the other voice, the, the voice of our insecurity more than the voice of the people around us. If they're not led by the Spirit, not led by Jesus' truth, going, all right, don't be defensive. Don't deflect. Receive what they're saying and reflect on it. Examine your heart. And then respond with repentance. Self will want to overwhelm. We'll just make excuses. Just, just explain all the reasons why and defend and deflect the spirit-led response. We'll go, all right, I've got a step of repentance here. I've got a step of obedience here and I need to own it. And I need to take it. I need to take it. Here's a way you can think about it. When you have to be a Samuel for someone. So, when you get your Samuel moment, that's how you can respond. Sometimes, you and I have got to be the Samuel for someone. And in those moments, when you have to be a Samuel for someone, pray for God to help you be spirit-led and not self-driven. To be spirit-led and not self-driven. I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 6 right here. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. They're talking about rebuking. Don't you love how Paul uses this word, though? Because of the heart of rebuking and calling someone out is restoration. Restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watching out for yourself so that you also won't be tempted. What have we been to? Sometimes it's just easy to be judged and hard to be gentle and patient and kind. So here's my, my, my one challenge for you, my one takeaway for you. Prioritize God's voice in your life by listening to God's voice through his word. How can you... This week, I'm giving you a seven-day challenge. What does it look like for you to start your day maybe listening to worship music, three songs every single morning that are about God's truth? 
what does it look like for you to, to, to subscribe to Time with God, which is a resource that we have for you that helps you listen to God's voice through His Word every single day? What is it like for the next seven days of your life for you to say, you know what, I'm going to pause, I've examined myself, I'm going to make this a priority in my life. Fill out that next step card. We want to talk with you about this. Message us. Put it in the chat. We will give you resources to help you do this because this is our hope. The Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating. In other words, separating, helping us see through the lies, see through the voices that are leading us astray as far as the separation of soul and spirit joint and marrow. It is able to judge, in other words, rebuke our thoughts and intentions of the heart. It helps us examine ourselves. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Prioritize his voice more than any other voice this week. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much for your grace. You're so good. But God, we confess, we are good at listening to other voices. We are like Israel, Lord. So whether it was the voice of our situation, the voice of our circumstances, the voice of fear, the voice of anxiety, Lord, you speak to us and you lead us. God, help us hear your voice, your truth, that you're inviting us just like you did in 1 Samuel chapter 12. You're inviting us today to come back to you, to recommit to you, to resurrender, to renew our faith in you, and to take a step of prioritizing your voice over all the others. Lord, help us do that. Lead us by your spirit. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.